Hey, this is PJ Souls, and you are totally listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Woo! Keep listening. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that appreciates a choker that can be both fashionable and functional. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're closing out our celebration of Women in Horror Month by talking to one of our favorite directors about the killer kid classic, 2009's Orphan. But before we get into that, let me remind you, we are part of the phenomenally frightening Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your circus hole. So as we close out the month of February, so do we close out the Women in Horror Month, our celebration. And quite honestly, feel free to celebrate women in horror in genre. Every day, every month, throughout the year. Beyond February. Uh, but we've been very fortunate. We've had Erica Kaufman on mm-hmm. uh, from Atomic Cotton. And if you are a horror or genre fan, they have a shirt for you. So please check them out and support them. Uh, we were lucky enough to have... Everyone's favorite. Golf Goth- Gangster Princess. Jill Gavargazian was on. Uh, we had a chance to talk um, 2003's Monster, as well as we actually got some little insight to her latest short, 42 Counts. So make sure and check that episode out. And as we continue, uh, you got you all know our next guest. Uh, she, oh my goodness, you know her from some of her award-winning shorts, including El Gigante, which we got a chance to see at the Panic Film Festival. Uh, she wears many a hat, uh, including actor, director and professor welcome back to nightmare junkhead she is one of our favorite women in horror and the co-founder, de terror, de terror. <laughs> the co-founder of lucha gore productions Gigi saul guerrero how are you muy bien hey you guys are getting good at this man like <laughs> i love this you should just intro me everywhere i should go <laughs> you would love to be your hype man <laughs> just like your lackeys just as you walk in i've been at a Gigi, and just like <laughs> <laughs> We can throw petals down at your, we'll throw petals down at your floor, at your feet, uh, but not white roses as we find out later on. Uh, but before we get into all the good stuff and before we get caught up, tell our listeners, where can they find you out on the social media? Please feel free to plug and promote away. Yeah. Uh, well, I am co-founder of Lucha Gore Productions, along with Rainer Shima, who's our producer, and Luke Bramley, our cinematographer. So Lucha Gore Productions, we specialize in everything horror, Latin horror, and just a lot of gore and very entertaining uh, content. Um, also, right now, I've just become a teacher at Vancouver Film School, and I'm also co-writing and acting in an upcoming game for Capcom Game Studios. So I can't tell you anything more than <laughs> that. <laughs> but I, that one's going to be really cool when that when that game comes out. And I'm very curious to see how much gamers will will want to hate me after that one. So we'll we'll see we'll see how that one goes. But yeah, anybody who wants to follow uh, what I'm doing with my team, just luchagoreproductions.com, luchagoreproductions, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We got a lot of very exciting things coming very, very soon. 
including the anticipated show we did with Warner Brothers, uh, La Quinceañera, yes, which yes. I'm just like biting my nails. I'm like, yo, Warner, can you please, <laughs> please launch the damn thing? You know, but I have a, we have no say, right? Because it's, mm. it's a studio thing. Like once you make it, it's kind of out of your hands, right? So it's it's got to wait to see when they when they want to launch it or whatever but what, what has that been like now since you know you've worked pretty independently and now working within a studio system has that been a has that been a good transition uh yes <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, it was a good transition uh and it was also i say more than that it was a a perfect learning experience yeah. i think it was exactly what the luchagor team needed in order for us to move into the feature world. I think it was a blessing in disguise that we never got funding for El Gigante feature. <laughs> I think it was all for a reason to make this other project happen, to work under someone and I guess work for a really big client, you could say, and learn everything that we just really didn't before making our own feature. So now that we did that and we have so many short films and I've been uh, co-writing this video game, uh, myself personally, I've grown a lot and uh, the team just feels so ready now for a feature. Um, so we're right now we're very focused uh, in developing this other feature that, uh, that we've just finished writing with Shane. Uh, Mackenzie, who writes everything for Luchagor, mm -hmm. and it's a much lower budget feature. So it's like we kind of we gotta we gotta make this low budget feature in order to make bigger ones happen. And I think also it's good timing because when La Quinceañera comes out, hopefully it's around the same time that we're working on a small budget feature, and it's kind of just building our portfolio bigger in order to get funding for bigger projects such as El Gigante and such. So, so yeah, just trying to keep really busy and, um, I'm excited, but I mean, going from studio to independent, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I kind of, I kind of love independent more, not for the wrong right or wrong reasons. It's just, I feel that's how I grew up to mm -hmm. be and how I've learned a lot of my craft and, uh, and you just have a lot of creative, cre creative freedom. You know, you have a little more control, but, um, so I mean, I, I love that aspect so much. And also I found out that you're uh, in a comic book too. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's that, awesome. That sold out. I didn't even get a copy myself. Like, oh. <laughs> I know. I, I was like, what? <laughs> Say what? Yeah. But it's okay. I'll just have to borrow my, my grandma's. I, I, I we got her a copy, but <laughs> I realized I should have I should grab one more for me, but I, but I didn't. Um, but yeah, these independent artists, um, Vishal and Ashley, I'm not too sure where in the states they are. I can't quite remember, but um, they they're just independent artists that uh, have made a previous comic book before uh, that had uh, Tristan Risk starring in it and um michael eklund so that's two pretty pretty big actors in yeah. one comic book i'd say and uh, that did really really well a couple of years ago and then they approached me that they wanted uh to make another one and uh if i would like to be you know the 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 star or whatever and i was like yes yeah. <laughs> 
always wanted to kill zombies on paper? Of course. <laughs> right? And uh, it was just so cool. It's just really cool um, how the genre community in general mm -hmm. is just so supportive. And it's just so much easier to reach out to people. You know what I mean? Everyone's so passionate about the same thing. And and it's it was so cool. It was a really cool experience working with them for this comic book. So if anyone's interested to hopefully get a copy if it comes out again, <laughs> you can uh, check it out as uh, Deadline Miami on Facebook. Um, and I am the lesbian bounty hunter, killing zombie bounty hunter. <laughs> Nice. That's a that's a nice thing to be able to put on the resume there. Um, I know. My my mom wasn't too sure about it, but you know that's that's Mexican parents for you. She'd be like, "Oh, why why do you want to call her that?" You know, I like, mija. Hi mija, that's nice, but you know they should draw more like covered up cleavage or something. You know, like no, no. <laughs> okay, I got a question. How is yeah. Na how's Nacho? Oh, he's he's better. He's Good. here right right beside me actually, just staring at me like, "Yo, I got to poop." But, <laughs> <laughs> but he's so much better. He's um he's still he's still sick. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. you know, every day every day is an advancement for him. Like he he wasn't able to walk at all. Now he can take a few steps and Good. then he'll relax and it's uh it's one of those things where it's hard to tell where where he'll be until the the vet finds the right the right amount of um of uh, medicine like mm -hmm. what 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 is good for him and such so so we're just staying positive of and, course uh, of course and uh, but he's he's better now the, so is the he... puppy del terror oh, he's adorable uh, yes. Is, now, yes. does he respond to, like, if we go, hey, Nacho, hi, buddy, does he respond to that, or is he not even... Oh, oh no, he's he's got his ears looking at the computer oh. right now, like... Hi, oh, Nacho, hi, hi, buddy. Nacho. He's such a good boy. <laughs> good doggy, Nacho. Such the bravest <laughs> little man. <laughs> so, hold yeah. on, hold on. I'm actually going to get you guys to do that again. I'm going to record it with your voices in the back. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing we would not do for a dog. That's the thing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay, when I say go, okay, ready? Mm -hmm. And, okay, and one sec. Uh, okay, go. Nacho. Nacho. Who's the brave oh, little man? Who's a good doggy, Nacho? He's the bravest doggy, 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 Nacho, Nacho, He's so Nacho. good. Oh, so cute. Mwah, 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 and that's pretty much gonna be like my blackmail to you guys. Excellent. Right? Oh, I was gonna say I thought it was gonna be your ringtone. I was like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You've reached yeah, Leech Gore Productions. Nacho, nacho, nacho. I just figure I can put this. I was directed by Gigi Gasel Guerrero, so I'm there feeling we pretty go. good. IMDb, we got a credit. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, he he is definitely in our in our thoughts and uh, and obviously in our in our podcast. So it's yeah. always nice to have Nacho on like that. Um, oh, thank you. It's amazing how many people have asked about him. You know, and I'm like. <laughs> I never talked to you before, but but I'm glad you care about Nacho. You know? It's a universal so, thing. We he's love our internet pets. famous now. Yeah, he definitely is. So um, one of the things that we've really enjoyed doing so far this month is you know having some of our favorite women in horror 
talking about their favorite women in horror. And so when we posed this to you, you kind of came back with a couple of different movies for us, which were phenomenal. They're excellent choices, Gigi. Excellent choices. But I want to hear your uh, reasoning, especially because we're going to like go into a little bit more detail on one and kind of just give a little taste on the other. But uh, Santa Sangre, oh my goodness. What Have was... you guys seen it before, before I told you? No, I'll be honest. I, I don't did know. You what... get, did, did you get fucked up after? Oh, sorry. Can I <laughs> no, you can say fucked oh, up. Of course. We, we say fucked up shit all the fucking time. So Gigi, <laughs> fuck shit up away. <laughs> It was one of those, I was familiar with it because, you know, anytime you do a little Jodorowsky, he's got a reputation. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I've seen El Topo. Um, there's actually going to be a screening of Holy Mountain here at Screenland Tap Cade. So we're going to go check it out. Yeah. So what is your relationship with this particular film? How were you first introduced to it? Oh, yeah. No. Like, oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So I've heard of this film through my parents, you know, like. So it takes place in Mexico and all that. So it was a big deal when it came out, you know, back then. Mm-hmm. No one ever seen anything like that. So I, I remember my parents always briefly mentioning it and how they walked out of the theater and how <laughs> weird it was. For a general audience, yeah, I yeah. can see pretty much just about everyone walking, <laughs> walking out of that one. But um, so, it, I don't know, it was kind of in the back of my mind here and there, like, oh, one day I'll watch it, one day I'll watch it. And... It wasn't until film school uh, where I met who's my best friend, Luke Bramley. Uh, we started, you know, sharing uh, horror movies and such and such until one of our teachers came up to us and said, okay, well, uh, can I share with you guys, since you're the horror fans of the class, <laughs> I want to I share you guys my favorite horror film. And then we were like, what is it? And he's like, oh, it's Santa Sangre. Like, you got to watch it. It And he, and the teacher just went on and on about how messed up he was <laughs> after it. And he's like, I still don't think I understand the yeah. film, but I really like it. And we're like, yeah, okay, dude, sure. Because you know? <laughs> this was a, our, our history teacher, too. And he had very strange taste in movies. <laughs> And not always the best ones. So it wasn't until I, I was like, I remember I was like, oh, yo, this is a movie my parents hate. Maybe we should watch it. Right? <laughs> and so we we got it. I must have been only 20. Like, uh, this was a mm-hmm. long time ago uh, when I saw it. So I didn't quite appreciate it things as much as I do today, you know, after studying film so much. But... <laughs> <laughs> When we watched it, Luke and I, I I stopped eating the snacks and the popcorn like in the first ten minutes, and I I was so weirded out I I could not stop laughing because I was not sure how to feel it throughout the whole film. I was laughing, yeah, and he'd be like the fuck are you laughing at them like i don't know it's just it's it's making me feel things you know like i i didn't know how to react to that movie and i and then we told our teacher afterwards we watched it and when he would ask me like how we felt i still didn't know it took me a Mm -hmm. couple years to kind of know what the heck i just watched like it was so weird like i mean Mm -hmm. for, for those of you listening I mean, if you want to know what it's about, 
and and literally it's <laughs> it, it's about it's nothing that uh extreme but what happens in it it's just it's about a if a, a guy that escapes from the mental hospital and he rejoins his armless mom oh. right like that's it's, really it that's what yeah, it's yeah. About. and and she and the dad were leaders of this strange religious circus cult circus um but when you when i watched it again uh, like three years ago because I, I needed to see it again after so many years mm-hmm. of not watching it and not understanding it uh i just needed to know okay what did i see what did i watch <laughs> why are these insane imageries still stuck in my head like everything in that yeah. film is so weird and mm-hmm. it sticks with you like i don't know it, it i've never seen anything like yeah it's horror it's it's grotesquely beautiful like yeah just like it's gorgeous even at its most like depraved i guess you would say when it gets more villainous and more batshit crazy, it even becomes even beautiful. Like the scenes with with his mom at the end, when it's it's kind of his own spoilers mm-hmm. fantasy world. Like the house is gorgeous, and like the mom is elegantly dressed, and everything looks like a a picture. But it's vile shit that's happening. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, the reason why I connected with it so much was. Yeah, it takes place where I'm from, Mm -hmm. and I do like that it was in English with really bad accents. Mm -hmm. I really related to it, and and the imageries are very much... I just related because I'm Mexican, too, and just how the imagery was so religious, and all the white shots really showed the the color scheme, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. while at the same time, all the violence, and unfortunately in Mexico, it is like that. And unfortunately is a beautiful country, but it's a very violent world over there. And it just really, the second time, really stuck with me as to maybe why I I didn't know how to react to it. It had so much uh, symbolism, the film, to today's society or just social commentary in general uh that it's it's just really a masterful film it's not well edited it's not <laughs> technically great but you can tell that the vision of the director is there you can tell just by the costumes the color palette the the types of characters and the archetypes mm-hmm, of these characters mm-hmm. it's all symbolism and me- it's all metaphorical in the film it that's all it is it, it, like the storyline is as simple as what we just explained but there's just so much more and the and the irony and the mother and son relationship yeah that's a thing in its own that's already yeah. that's a real uh problem that a lot of people go through the manipulation that mm-hmm. somebody can do to you like that like there, there's just uh, the list can go on of how many subjects this film touched and why it's even hard to put a genre on it yeah, I, yeah. it you know the the genre to me was just too real <laughs> even, though, <laughs> even though it was mystical as hell but damn like no film has made me like be like that where i i, I had 
nothing to say for a couple of years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think genius. You said it was like a Jodorowsky's Jallo film. Yeah. It totally was a, a Jallo Jodorowsky's film yeah. because like the colors were so bright. And like you said, the imagery, even the armless Madonna and like the tattooed lady. The, yeah. The, the whole circus Every- aspect, the, the elephant funeral, oh. just everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That elephant funeral. I, when I saw it, my jaw just dropped because it was so like sad and you just saw this horrific thing, but it was also the, the parade itself was breathtakingly beautiful, you know, just the, the morning and then the giant elephant casket. It was insane. And then it just got crazier from there. Yeah. Like, like, I don't even know how you, what kind of drugs you got to be doing to come up with this stuff? <laughs> the answer is lots. <laughs> lots. <laughs> lots. But, but just everything about it, every detail is unlike anything I've ever seen in any film. And I, and I don't say that ever, except for this film. Like, I could never imagine anything like that in a frame, ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I really appreciate the movie. Um well, at the same time, I can I really appreciate how much how many people don't like it, and I think <laughs> that's the great thing about filmmaking. You know, if 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 you're good if you're good at what you do as a filmmaker, your film has to make the audience feel something, whether it's utter hate mm-hmm. or like an insane amount of appreciation. And I think this film is that exact example yeah. because. Uh, yeah, everything in it, it, and so much religious symbolism on it, like in so many frames. It's insane. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it seems but like. Yeah, so I don't think that mom is recognized enough. The she, oh, she Concha, I think. Yeah, she so, was and so she's good. a woman in horror, yo. Like I'm like, yes. why is like Mexican mom never brought yeah. up ever in any existence of horror, That's... and it's an incredible character. It's it's I think cooler than Jason Voorhees' mom. <laughs> you know, and I more more it. violent this... for sure. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of layers that go on with this film, and that's kind of the beauty of revisiting those movies that you saw at an early age, and like you said, just had no idea what it was about, and now looking at it through older eyes, more experienced, as you said, you can definitely see. And so, have are you able? Are you going to try to incorporate, or do you try to incorporate any of those kind of elements in your filmmaking? Yeah, I like definitely. I don't mention this film enough just because not a lot of people know it, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a bad bad thing of me but <laughs> but but uh, I, I, when i saw this i liked how true to the country it was hmm. how how even the locations chosen were perfect because i've been there mm-hmm. I've, I've been in mm-hmm. many of those parts and and uh for me like i remember telling luke i was like you know i when we make our stuff or when i make my stuff i want i want people to really know that that I, I want it to be yeah. me, like where mm-hmm. I'm from. So this whole Tex-Mex, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> subgenre that's brought up of me is exactly what I was hoping for, that that the films I make can really represent who I am because I'm like Mexican and gringa at the same time, right? <laughs> I, I haven't been in both countries enough to call myself one or the other. So this film really inspired me to stay true to who I am um, 
and really represents my voice as much as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. The two things that you brought up that I want to really quickly touch upon. One, it was very cool to see the locales that you have been to and know, um, like the circus right in front of the Basilica. And then when they go into um, the uh, red light district, so to speak, it it looked just like the if when I when I used to go there. Um, so like you said, it's really how he captured it, mm-hmm. even though there's horrific shit, because horrific shit happens. And yeah. and then, like you said, this is definitely, um, Concha has to be yeah. one of the unsung women of horror because the shit she does, the yeah. manipulation, the murder, and when she murders the uh, tattoo woman, that is gory as shit. Well, you yeah. guys mentioned she's better than Pamela Voorhees. I dare say she's better than Norman Bates' mother, just yeah. how she yeah. manipulates. Yeah. And uh-huh. and the other kind of uh, really strong vibe I got from this was uh, Maniac, the William Lustig film, just in terms of kind of the, the sympathy they're trying to derive from the main character, even though mm-hmm. he does heinous stuff, but he's, you know, in this cycle of this, just this horror, the trauma that goes mm-hmm. on. And it's, yeah, it's a fact. I ultimately... Thank you for suggesting yes. this because it was yes. such a great watch and it oh, felt like good, good. watching and, and a film. What? I don't suggest it enough. Like, I yeah. think after this talk, I'm I'm going to. I think <laughs> just because I got used to hearing a lot of, like, WTF. Um, There's a um, lot of what the fuck's in there, but. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, like, uh, early on in film school, I got turned off to sharing more about this film. Just because the moment I started to, after I watched it, I, I, a lot of people were like, I'm not, I don't want to watch that. Or, oh, I saw the trailer. I don't want to watch that. Mm-hmm. So then I just stopped talking about it. I stopped talking about it until the last couple years. Like only I've started to re-mention it and talk about why. And this is the first time I've talked about it in any kind of recording or or of anything, interview of anything. So it's it's cool to hear from you guys that you that you can see past Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. What the film can really be about, and I think that's definitely that this kind of film that you have to talk with people that can that can appreciate not just filmmaking but appreciate symbolism past of what you see on screen. So, yeah, yeah. And even with the uh, Alma, the character, the mute mime, it yeah. she solved the riddle. She saved the day. Mm-hmm. She took care of everything without uttering a single word just holding out her hands is like look i'm offering you love it was just amazing amazing that was that's another one that that's another oh like great great uh story there like Mm -hmm. there's so many insane Mm storylines in this film like of so many characters um it it amazes me but yeah the, the mom to me as you say that there's just an incredible, there's so many incredible layers to her. We, from her past, the relationship with the abusive husband mm-hmm. to being grown up in this circus cult to losing her arms. And, and, and it's almost like a, a symbolic, uh, metaphor to, um, to perfection. Mm-hmm. How, right. And I've never seen anything like, like we've seen it done really well, lately like uh neon demon and and movies like that but this film did it in such a mystical and paranormal kind of way that it's scary like to use your son's arms like whoa yeah like that that's exactly what 
a lot of Hollywood like uh, child actors go through with manipulative parents. Literally. Yeah. They 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 use their children um, to live through their lives, their success, and like I, I was, it just blew my mind the metaphor in this character. Like I don't know, I could talk in, on and on about Concha. For no, hours. it's no, it's phenomenal. Action is perfection. It is well. Well, from technically, then let's go from 1989 and then flash forward a few years to 2009 and talk <laughs> about the main film that we're here to talk about. A a little. Man, just a movie that I saw in the theater originally mm-hmm. and hadn't revisited until you had mentioned it. And what a rewatch. Yeah. But tell us your inspiration. Oh, right. my God. It's it's so much better than I remembered it. Yeah. So tell us, what was the inspiration behind choosing Orphan? I just, again, I never see praise for this character. Mm-hmm. I never see any praise for this movie ever. And uh, I, I must have been... 18 when I saw this movie or 19 and it was one of the first I think in my, in my opinion modern of my time horror films that I loved mm-hmm. and you know because my generation uh, there really isn't that many great horror films like that many it was all about the old school horror films I think anyways um, and this one just really from the opening credits with the oh, the ugh. black light, you know, yeah, yeah, like everything about this movie, I I was so wow from, and it it kind of was, it's because it, I'm a big fan of this very old film with Macaulay Culkin when he was a kid, The Good, the good Son, Good Son, and Elijah Wood. Yes, is it Elijah Wood? Yeah, yes. yes. Um, it was because that movie scared the shit out of me. It, it, I was like. Oh my god, that that kid is terrifying. It was too real. Mm-hmm. And when I saw The Orphan, it was literally The Good Son modernized with the horror that The Good Son didn't have, mm-hmm. I think, with the mm-hmm. the the extreme horror fan elements that The Good Son didn't have, which don't get me wrong, The Good Son <laughs> is an amazing violent drama, I would call it. But it's not uh, horror. No, I don't think it, it's a horror. I mean, it has its moments, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's a horror. It's a it's a very character driven film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, and it it has its slow moments, but it's so uh, it calls for you to just keep watching of what these kids are capable of, and the orphan is exactly the same idea, um, but with the horror. Fuck yeah, elements that <laughs> that we have. I have yet to have seen in a film with with child actors, and, yeah. and it just it. Oh, I I walked out of that theater in love with that movie, and I loved Esther, oh. and I just never saw that character ever like ever praised like beside Chucky and Jigsaw mm-hmm. and all our favorite villains and Leatherface. Why is Esther not part of that family? Like, why is she never around? And it it shocks me because I. I think that's a, an absolutely incredible character. It not just the actress was badass, mm-hmm. and I'd be terrified if I see her at the end of the hallway <laughs> with that face. With that face, that, yeah. that face. But but that character was awesome. It's it's a, it's such a simple idea to a character and how manipulative this character can be. Uh, you know, spoiler alert: you can 
click mute for 10 seconds <laughs> about how she plays to be a young girl when really it's it's an older woman mm-hmm. posing as a little girl how simple is that mm-hmm. like that's that's a really simple sort storyline and um <laughs> this movie just brought it to a, a whole other level with just leaving that shock till the end mm. I straight up believed that this kid was just that fucked up. <laughs> and, and and talking more about the movie itself, um, who directed it? I can't even remember uh, it's who directed it. Wame Seta. Oof. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah, I don't even know. I can't, I can't even put a name to what other things that director might have uh, done. He just did. But, uh, did you see The Shallows? The, the shark no. movie? The shark was, movie, yeah. Oh yeah, oh. it's well. It's not bad. It's was not one bad. shark supposed to be a young shark, but then it turns out in the end is a really old shark. <laughs> <laughs> and that shark was just wearing makeup. <laughs> and the, did the shark have like a crazy Russian accent? Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, but again, like um, talking more technical about the orphan, it is so well built around this character. The close-ups and the lighting around Esther, I, I. I have yet to see a movie do that in a way where it's it happens all the time how even when she walks under certain lighting and she goes dark and then comes back out in the light and her face changed to serious. Oh, like <laughs> I was terrified. Like I was like, wow, like all these shots on Esther when she's got the gun, when she oh, lights yeah. up, when she you legitimate I think it's because this film was not afraid to show everything was not afraid to show in the same scene in many shots an actual young actor beside another young actor with gore in front of them Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. to me that makes it so much more believable and yeah this movie just was not afraid to push that and it wasn't until it that just came out recently that i saw that again finally and I think why the film was so successful is because they just weren't afraid to show the violence with child actors, in my opinion. And you don't see that as often. Everything's very safe. Um, and this film just went there. Orphan just went there for me um, in that aspect, in that technical aspect anyways. so. And, and I think you have a point there. You said they didn't play it safe. And when you're dealing with horror... It, the world's yeah. not safe and it needs to be scary and all in your face. I mean, especially for things like that to work because killer kids in the first place are terrifying as shit. And then you give one that's evil with this crazy Russian accent. I'm telling you, Esther, that little actress, she, I forgot what is her name? Isabel Furman. Isabel Furman. Cause she was really like 10 when she did that. Wasn't Super she? Super little. Yeah. She I was think a little, so. little bit older, man. But. That like, don't I will cut, I will cut off your, what, what did you say? She said it's that line when she's talking to her little brother, she's like, I'm going to cut, I'm, I can't do the accent. Cut, cut off your hairless prick before you figure out what it's for. And you're just like, right. when, when you see a little ah. child give that just heinous. Pan heinous. With that Russian accent, I'm telling you, she's uh, Valerie Putin. It's just <laughs> that, like, just like that scary, like, I will fuck you up and you will do nothing. You know? It was, yeah, no, it was super intense. No, I uh, I agree. There was um, interesting stuff going on with that. But honestly, just the reveal, like you said, was. do you remember, was that something that, like, I know a lot of people are always, like, complaining, oh, I saw that coming a mile away. Or it, you know, took you out of it. Do you remember the the reveal in the theater? I do. I, I remember everyone. A lot of people going like, 
I didn't even guess. I actually, yep. I mean, the only person that guesses everything is my mom. I swear she's an alien. <laughs> I have yet, I have yet to show her a movie that she has not guessed the ending. It, it blows my mind. But she, yeah, she guessed it when we, when I rented this film. <laughs> <laughs> I think Blockbuster was still around when I like, rented this movie. But yeah, my mom immediately, oh yes, this is what happens in an hour. I'm like, what? Mom! <laughs> like, but, but I remember everyone being shocked. I was really shocked, and I love the transformation at the end. Oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. the chase sequence at the end, and it they they changed that character to its reality, to the true colors of that character. Although what I also love about it, the realistic side was so different than the little girl we've been watching. That I love that this movie exaggerated the transformation. It may it it scared me a lot more when she was around, and I couldn't wait for her to die because uh, <laughs> of how hideous they made that character at the end. Hideous, mm-hmm. absolutely hideous looking. Yeah, just very scary. But, and then, but how cute she is in the whole beginning. I love how adorable they dress her. How adorable she looks, and just when she speaks, the couple lines. Like you're not going to tell on me, are you? Like little things like that, or, or oh, dude, when she grabs, sorry, I got so excited. No, when she grabs the 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 gun right at the little girl's right in her face, and she's like, "Do you want to play?" And then noise happens. She's like, "Maybe later." And I'm like, "Oh, like I'm like that's enough for me to go." Yas queen, <laughs> <laughs> and all the while signing at the little girl as well, which right. is that nice little element of the death, the death aspect. Mm-hmm. No, the, the, yeah, and it made me love this character so much. Like I love Leatherface and Freddy Krueger and all those <laughs> characters we all, all those bad guys we all love. I was, I hate to admit it, I was stoked every time Esther was on screen. Just as mm-hmm. how cute and ironic this character was, how evil and cute she looked. I was, I hate to say it, but I was cheering for yep. her. <laughs> for her. And I think that's what a good villain is supposed to do. And that's why I'm, I'm sad that this character is never brought up ever, ever. I never see this character brought up ever. And now that it's been women in horror months, it's, it's great and all. And, but I see always the same, the same people, mm-hmm. which is great, and they should be praised. But it's sad I never see Esther ever. So I, that's why when you you guys asked me, and I took like three days to reply because I'm like I don't want to talk about what we all talk about, right? I don't, you know. So I'm really glad that you guys love esther as much as i do well because it's awesome because like you said she's like one of those old school slashers like freddie or jason but she's still wearing a mask you know and it's not until it's not until that reveal where you're like oh shit she's really fucking evil you know it's <laughs> it's just like the whole like she's jason with like instead of a hockey mask it's like little girl makeup and she's wearing those little pollyanna dresses and shit like and like she just comes in like i know and she curtsies and shit and then she's going around killing people with hammers and shit and then Concha the, from Santa Sangre, Jiminy. 
<laughs> well, even, you know, we haven't even talked about the seduction scene, which when you see oh, that in a theater, so you talk about a reaction out of people. I mean, people, you can see them literally like just squirming in their chairs, which was a great fun. Now, watching it by myself, I did the same thing. Let me but, kick out of your daddy. It's like, Argh! but I remember seeing it in the theater and that reaction of everyone just in, like you said, Gigi, it's you want that reaction, whether it's good or bad, you know, indifference yeah. is the enemy of filmmaking. So this truly brought out a reaction, but it's, this was a great revisit film as well. So again, thank you for that. Yeah, no, definitely guys. I mean, I was, uh, I watched a couple clips today just to kind of refresh my memory and I ended up not watching it all again. <laughs> like, I, just, I just ended up watching it. I was like, this is too good. Like, uh, watched most of it anyways on my phone today on my break and just a little bit before we talked, but I was like, this is so good. Like, I forgot how damn mm -hmm. good this film is, even though I've seen it at least four times before, but, um, I hope this film can be praised more for it's excellent and it's simple. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't have to go crazy out there for a crazy storyline, but I love that. Yeah. It just, it wasn't afraid to go there with these, <laughs> with these young characters. Like it was not afraid to show us everything. And uh, I think that's why it's such a, it's such a good movie, such a good movie. Agreed. She's hardcore. The, <laughs> Esther, Esther is just mean as shit. I mean, just you know, you were saying like it's too bad, like the further adventures of Esther or something. Like originally, Esther was supposed to win. Like in the first couple of drafts of the movie, it was supposed to be a lot darker and a lot more fucked up. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, like uh, she wound up killing the little the, the little girl. She killed um, the brother. She in killed the, the brother in the hospital instead of just like oh he's still alive. Uh, she killed the mom. She killed like another family before she got with this family. She killed a girl at the orphanage. It was she went in the, in the original draft. She went full on slasher mode. Oh, I would I would be huge on a franchise of Esther. Right. Oh, like, there we go. Oh. Well, see, now that's ultimately that's going to be the serendipitous thing because eventually, like, they're going to say, uh, so we've got this like orphan two script lying around, but we don't have anyone direct it. And uh, <laughs> who's this Gigi Saw Guerrero? I think she was uh, championing that film. Yes, I. Oh my God. <laughs> like a reimagining of Orphan would be. So, uh, but it's, just, it's it's one of those things where it's just such a good movie already. Why yeah, remake it? But exactly. that would have been sick. Like a much darker version. I I think it could have had potential to to be a franchise. I think I think it definitely could have been another one. At least one more. Because Esther was creepy as fuck. <laughs> well, you know, and kind of a one to talk. Have you ever seen The Stepfather? <laughs> stepfather it's came out in 1987 but it kind of takes that same approach of a stranger kind of making his way into a family and then just the chaos that ensues from it but you kind of have that feel with esther just trying to find her place mm -hmm. and then just always bringing things into chaos now these were phenomenal picks and especially for women in horror and as you mentioned ideally this will give a chance for people to seek out and expand and go beyond your comfort level yeah. you know obviously you know santa sangre is Beyond comfort levels. That's a litmus test yeah. film. <laughs> and then Orphan. A date movie that tests yeah. dates, you know? Like, you yeah, can... why they'll, go, they'll go to watch this with you. Indeed, <laughs> make or break it. Come down. Uh, we're going to watch a movie in my private theater underground. <laughs> be... Yeah. 
just give that extra sense to it there, the William <laughs> Castle treatment. So I know we are on a time restraint. So Gigi, thank you for taking the time to talk with us um, again, promoting your material, talking women in horror uh, again, where can our listeners find you out on the social media? Yeah. Um, they can, they can find us again on luchagoreproductions.com. Uh, Luchador Productions on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and myself, I'm as Horror Guerrero everywhere. So you can definitely find me like that. Um, but yeah, please follow us because La Quinceañera is going to be announced soon. And I think only for now it's going to be released in the U.S. So oh, wow. <laughs> for that's, now. That's okay. It'll slowly, just... slowly it'll open up. It will, uh, a little bit more. It will definitely expand and we will definitely be promoting mm-hmm. the goodness out of it. So again, thanks to Gigi Saul Guerrero for, you know, finishing up women in horror month with us. Now next week, gang, uh, we do start our descent into madness as the, uh, into the mouth of March madness tournament begins. It and begins. we're going to do our selection episode and you're going to see which films from 1978 and 1988, 1998 and 2008 of which we're going to talk about. So until that time, this is Greg D I'm genius McGee and we will see you in your dreams. Thank you.